When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Forever. Dog. I used to think that this was my town. What a stupid thing to think. I hear you biting off a breakdown. I myself am on the brain. I used to want to be a real man. I don't know what that even means. Now I just want you in my arms again. And we can search each other's dreams. What's up, 3Bs? What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Dribbles? It's Rhea Butcher, your host of this here podcast, Three Swings, which is a podcast about baseball, but also other things like life and shit in general. How's everybody doing? I want to check in with everybody and see how everybody is. Great. I'm glad to hear from all of you. I, um, yeah, I like, do you ever just not want to do the things you know you got to do? I am on the road right now, and yesterday I had plenty of time to record this podcast, but I just could not get myself to do it. And, like, I wasn't doing anything else. I wasn't watching TV. I wasn't reading a book. I didn't do... I just was literally laying in bed. (laughs) So I just wanted to check in with everybody, because, like, for a while I've... I don't know. Life is strange like that, right? Where, like... I've talked on this podcast before about being sad and just admitting to it or, you know, just putting it out there or whatever. And I, I've found that many people, and I, I don't I don't have lists of names or anything like that. I just have found that because we have social media and this sort of access to, to speaking wide to people at all moments, um, which I have at this exact moment the idea of sort of like anxiety and depression and sadness and all these things are, are sort of like these like in jokes with each other, you know? Cause like we experience these things as human beings. And so when we're experiencing them, it's like, we almost want to just like, I don't be self deprecating about all having them and that like, it's just, but I, I just don't know that for me, I, I, I don't, I, you know, have made reference to anxiety and things like that. It's just not, I don't want to operate as though that is the baseline of my life because I know that it's not, even when you have it, because I had it a lot (laughs) and I believed it to just be who I was and what I've learned in, in this past year or so is that it isn't actually who I am. 
like having anxiety does not define me. It is something that I occasionally and sometimes often deal with, but it is not a defining characteristic of myself. And so I try not to make things that, that, that lean upon that idea of anxiety or, or that that is sort of like the baseline of humanity. I, I used to think that that was true, but it's really not. And like, I mean, I guess I could relate it this way. I, uh, like last night I was on Twitter for like hours for the first time in a long time. Cause I got done doing my show in Austin, which was really wonderful. Thanks to everybody for coming out to the North door is a great shows packed out. So if you are in Houston and you're listening to this show, cause I think it's going to go out in time. It's Friday, September 13th. It's going to be a full moon tonight. So please come to that show. There's a few tickets left for tonight. I would love to see your little faces there. But um, I just had a bunch of post-show adrenaline. And I could not go to bed. I don't think I went to bed until 2 or 3. I did. I watched baseball for the first time in a little while. <laughs> I'll admit to that on a baseball podcast. I watched the like condensed game between the Dodgers and the Orioles where the Dodgers got two runs across on a passed ball because Dylan Bundy threw a fit. Uh, an understandable fit, but a fit nonetheless. Um, and then the Phillies and uh, Atlanta game came on, and I was like, all right, you got to turn this TV off, or you're going to be up until you need to get up in the morning, and you don't want to do that. Um, and luckily I did do that because I'm doing this podcast right now because I think if I would have stayed up and watched that game, I wouldn't be doing this podcast right now. And uh, I would be pretty upset with myself, so that's good. But like I said, I was on Twitter last night because uh, there's this whole... And you know, I'm not even going to specify the things that are going on because it's just... And I was talking to another comic via Twitter about it last night. She pointed out something that I've been thinking about for a while, which is that, uh, you know, it's almost as though these things happen... um, and they're just publicity. And I truly think that they are. I mean, they are. They are. No matter If you've ever worked in publicity, you know that all this stuff is publicity. And when we get on Twitter and we all get onto a hashtag and we all get into this big conversation about anything, no matter how truly right it is or that the answer or whatever the side that you're on is the right side of history, all of that stuff, I'm not saying that there isn't a, a right and a wrong in these situations. It's just that the fact that there is a right and a wrong is now being used to get all of us, and when I say us, I mean people who use the internet, to uh, participate in a free publicity campaign for a TV show or for a comedy special or for whatever. And um, I realized recently, you know, people will announce for many different reasons, and this is no judgment, um, that they're taking a break from Twitter, you know? And I kept thinking about that. I was like, I need to not be using this thing because I was getting on, like I took the app off my phone a long time ago and I have not put it back on. Uh, But I do, because I need to promote tour dates, um, I do need access on my phone, so I get on it through Safari. And I am on it more than I should be, but um, I was noticing every time that I would get onto Twitter, it would affect me and affect me for a while. 
because it's just like you're searching out whatever it is you want to search out and I was looking for bad news. I was looking for things that I could comment on and I don't comment on good news. I comment on bad news. And so I was like, man, you got to take a break. And I was like, you do not need to, you don't need to tell people that you're taking a break. You can just do just an exercise in that, you know, of just like, just take the break. And then I realized like even framing it like that, like I'm taking a break from Twitter was pretty bonkers because I was taking a break from Twitter to go live my life. And I realized how much I had fallen into, oh, being on Twitter is is my life, is part of my life or my life. And many people, yes, Twitter, you need it for your job. But my job is not being on Twitter. I'm not... um like a famous writer that's being paid to be in a room and then also tossing off jokes during the day. Like I go on Twitter and I'm putting out ideas for free into a public publicity thing. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just like pumping it out into the ether for free. So I realized like, I don't want to take a break from Twitter to live my life. I'll take a break from my life to write a joke on Twitter or like, you know, promote my shows or something like that. But I just, um, the, the endless scrolling and the endless, like, Oh, I need to be informed. Like no one needs to be this informed. Like you have a belief system. You keep that belief system open to new possibilities and new understandings. And to be totally honest, you will get more understanding from talking to other human beings in your real life than you will from being on Twitter in the long run. There is a certain amount, there is a window wherein you can learn in new information on Twitter. I'm not saying that you can't, because I have. But there's a point where that exhausts itself and you're no longer learning. You're just participating in these shouting matches um, where it's just painful, whether you know it or not, whether you know that it's painful or not. Um, like I've met people in real life that I've, you know, have formed a sort of online friendship with via Twitter or people that I pay attention to their, what they say on there and stuff like that. And then I meet them in real life. And like, uh, sometimes it's a really amazing experience. And then sometimes they just want to be on their phone. And I'm like, wow, well, okay. I mean, I thought this was like social media, but, um, so I just try not to be that. I try not to be on my phone so much in real life that I miss out on meeting actual people because that's what I would prefer to do is like, you know, learn from somebody in a passive way. And when I say passive, I mean like not commenting on everything that they say, just reading what they say and thinking about it and then meeting them and, and talking to them as actual people. But that doesn't happen as much as it should. Perhaps, you know, I'm not going to say that doesn't ever happen because that would not be truthful, uh, but it does happen. And so last night I was on Twitter just on it. And I, there was a moment that I just made a decision that I was like, okay, this is just what's happening and, uh, keep drinking water. And like, there's going to be a moment where, you know, this is exhausted and we're just going to be here. This is just what's happening. So I was like checking in with myself and like just watching people losing their shit online. Just like watching people, that, human beings that I know, that I know 
um, just like honestly losing their shit online and just screaming into the void online. And I just am watching it going like, man, this is so painful. And like, again, that's not to say that these conversations aren't things that aren't, aren't real. I'm not debating. I'm not, I'm not, (laughs) I'm actually talking about people who were upset at outrage, but you know, what's, that's, what's wild about it is that like the outrage at outrage is just as, as like outsized as the original outrage is purported to be, you know, it's like, um, I mean, nothing is simple and nothing is straightforward on the internet. Everything is blown. Everything gets blown up, you know? And like this whole idea that cancel culture is even the thing, you know? Um, I, and I've been doing press for my stand-up shows and, you know, I, I get on the, this is not the case on every interview, but almost every interview when someone asks me my opinion of so-and-so special or the controversy around so-and-so special. And like, I asked one of my fellow comedians who happens to be like a straight dude um, I was like, hey, man, do people ask you this? You know, like, and we're friends. So I, I wasn't like, it was a genuine just like conversational question of like, is this a thing that you get asked about? And he was like, yeah. But as we talked about it, I realized like people just ask him his opinion on specials. Like, oh, did you like that one? <laughs> Which is not what they're, what people are asking me. People are asking me as like a queer person to and also as a comic like they're seeing me as a comic and they want they think that that I should have an opinion on it and then they are also valuing my opinion on it but I will say that thing then removes my like removes me from the world of stand-up and puts me in a position then maybe not to that person but to some of the people who are listening and then also my comedian peers that separates me from the herd of comedian and puts me into critic. And like every, a lot of people are having comments and critical comments about this stuff in comedy because now it's like, I don't know, safer to do that. I guess like you couldn't do that before you couldn't say like, this is bad. Don't do that. This is not a good for You just couldn't do it. And so anybody that did to any amount was sort of ostracized and pushed out or put into this group of like not really comedians because they have an opinion on comedy itself that doesn't mesh with the mainstream of comedians or whatever, or like the, the sort of college of comedians or whatever. And, uh, I just, I just don't, I just don't want to have that opinion anymore. I know how I feel about these things. I, I know what I believe to be good behavior and I know what I believe to be bad behavior. And so the only thing I can do is participate in the good behavior and like separate myself from bad behavior as much as possible. Because as soon as I start pointing the finger and saying what's, then that's, that's what I become. My identity becomes someone who points out bad behavior not because, and I'm not saying I don't want to have the responsibility. It's literally like I get labeled that because I'm not part of the mainstream or whatever. It's, it's anyway, probably shouldn't even be talking about it to in depth this much, <laughs> but I just, uh, I can only really worry about what comes out of my mouth 
Um, and you, person that's listening, can only worry about what's coming out of your mouth. And, uh, you know, when somebody that's your friend or some somebody that you know personally says something that's, like, you know, bigoted or whatever, um, yeah, it's your job to be, like, or it doesn't have to be, but it can be your job to go, like, that's not cool, man. And also, like, in those situations, it's uh, it, it can be a big... It can be a big F you to not participate in the laughter of the thing and to be like, I have to go. <laughs> that can make a big statement, you know, a bi- an even bigger statement than being like, do you, da, 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 you know, like st- people that that you're at work with or whatever and just going like, mm, I got to go back to work. Because if you're at work and you're hanging out with people and and you choose to go back to work instead of standing around with people, you really don't want to be around that person. Then they know that. <laughs> but um, anyway, I just, uh, I also feel like even though I have not had a public opinion on these things that keep coming up, like these people's specials and the content of their specials and the histories uh, that people have in, in their backlog when they get hired onto something like I have not said an opinion about any of it, not because I don't have one, but because I just don't, I'm not important enough to put myself out there to be like ridiculed and put into a whatever. Um, I also wonder constantly how many people think I have had an opinion on it because there's, there's so many things that people think I have done that I have not actually done, which can be uh, a good thing. Because then people think you're more, I don't know, accomplished than you really are. But then also people are like, well, yeah, they already did that thing. So whatever. <laughs> like they're, yeah. Um, but yeah, I have not put out a public opinion about that because I just am not, I don't need to, I don't, I don't need to do that all the time. I don't need to be an opinion. You know, I, uh, I have opinions on things and I do stand up comedy shows and I talk about them. Um, cause otherwise I'm just sort of being exploited for that. So anyway, I don't know. This was a long winded way of thinking out what's happening. It doesn't mean that I don't have morals and I don't have standards. It just means that I'm not participating in the internet culture of the whole thing anymore, or at least to the extent that I used to. Um, and, uh, you know, I trust myself <laughs> and I trust the things that I do. And, uh, I try to stay on the right side of things as much as I can. The good side of things, you know, um, that's really the only thing that you can do. So, all right. I am going to be in Houston tonight at the secret group. And then, uh, a Saturday night on the 14th, I'll be in new Orleans at the Howlin' Wolf. And then on Sunday, I'll be at the ready room in St. Louis. So if you're in any of those places, you should come to those shows. I would love to see you come say hi after take a photo or whatever, shake hands, talk to each other about whatever you want. And right after this, we will talk to each other about baseball. So the big news this this week of 9919 999999 
is that Christian Yelich has been injured and injured badly. Last season's NL MVP and current MVP frontrunner Christian Yelich will miss the remainder of the 2019 season after fracturing his kneecap in the first inning of the Brewers' 4-3 win over the Marlins on Tuesday night. Yelich fouled a pitch off his knee and went straight to the ground before gingerly walking off the field on his own power. The injury couldn't come at a worse time for the Brewers, who are in the thick of the NL wildcard race, currently sitting one game back from the Cubs for the second wildcard spot. Oh, I'm so sorry for that yawning. Yelich hit 330 this season with 44 home runs, leading the league in on-base percentage at 430, slugging percentage at 672, and in turn, OPS of 1.102. Yelich will re- be replaced in right field by Trent Grisham. Grisham has appeared in only 32 games this season, slashing a respectable 260, 324, and 448. There are many conversations in baseball right now that he should still be in the running for the MVP. I don't disagree. Um, I think also, I mean, I don't think the season is over for the Brewers. I just think the Cubs have this way of making their way back no matter what's going on for them. So that that is actually my my biggest concern is that the Cubs love to come back and make it in. Um, but they just don't, you know, the Cubs right now, they didn't get anybody. They don't have – they got Daniel Descalzo. I mean, they got Nick Castellano, Castellanos or whatever, and he's playing well. But um, I just don't think they have the staying power, and the Cardinals are just tearing it up. But there is something to be said, and I've talked about it before, like momentum and morale and things like that. It's a very real thing. And you would think that losing Christian Yelich would just dump the morale into the basement. And it might, but it might also light a fire under their ass to win one for the Gipper. You know what I mean? Those things happen pretty often. And uh, I wouldn't put it past the Brewers to really win one for the Gipper, Christian Yelich. Um, and man, that's just a fouling a ball off your knee. God, that has to be, and like, ugh, fracturing your kneecap. Holy shit. I just feel bad for him. He's had a great two seasons in Milwaukee after leaving Miami. And uh, it's just been nice to see him flourish as a player. Seems like a decent dude, you know? It's like, I just am... I am sad for the guy. Sad for the guy. You just hate to see it. I also... I got off the internet and, like, these... I get on and there are these memes that I just don't even understand. (laughs) And it makes me feel very old... But I'm also like just days old, you know, like it's not, I don't feel like an old man. I'm just like, wow. All right. I don't know what any of this shit is, but i um, looking forward to see how the, seeing how the Brewers close this out. Um, and the, the NL central being one of, you know, two super competitive, uh, divisions in the entire major leagues. Um, both the centrals being <laughs> competitive. I would say too, also like, the the wild card races this season are incredibly exciting. I am excited to see it. it's like gonna come down to the wire um, in all of the leagues, like in in all of the leagues and all of the divisions and all of the across all of it because nobody's really um, done yet. And nobody's done. <laughs> Hang on, there's an ad running. I just want to read. I just want to look at the standings. Yeah, I mean, in the in the NL wildcard race, 
there are one, two, three, four, five, six teams listed. The AL wildcard race, there are three teams listed. So it's not totally over, you know? Like, there's so much... In the, the wildcard race in the NL is between three teams definitely right now. The Cubs and the Brewers are tied, and uh, Washington is uh, three and a half games up. So it seems like Washington will probably clinch and stay... But you have the Cubs and the Brewers tied for that second spot. And then you've got the Mets and the Phillies only two games out of the second spot. And you've got the Diamondbacks only three and a half games out over uh, Milwaukee and, and the Cubs. That's not a lot of games. And to be totally honest, in the Central... The Cubs and Milwaukee are only four games back. Crazier things have happened. Now, the only competitive division in the AL is in the Central. Uh, Cleveland is three and a half games out from the Twins. Every other division, the East, the Yankees are ten games up, and Houston is seven and a half, seven and a half games up over the Oakland A's. Now, the Oakland A's are only a half a game up in the wild card race between them, Tampa Bay, and Cleveland. And Cleveland is only a half game out of Tampa Bay's spot. So the American League wildcard game wild card could be completely different in a week. <laughs> so it's at least exciting. And what I would say is like I look at this postseason pic- picture, which is presented by Jiffy Lube, uh, because everything has to be advertised. Um and the only division that has more than two teams listed is the Central Division in the National League. And you just look at the wild card race and you think, at least I think, what if this is what the season was like? What if the divisions looked like this? What if we had three games across each, or three teams, excuse me, across each division separated by three and a half or two games? Instead of 4, 10, 19 in some cases. The National League West, obviously LA has clinched already, which I'll get into in a second. There's the, the next closest team is Arizona, I think, and they're 19 games back. And that's just boring. That's just a boring, boring product. And I don't want to beat that too hard because I say this every week on the show, but like... Baseball is not a problem because the game is too slow. Da, 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 da. That is the thing people say who have never actually paid any attention to baseball. You Why why try to make a product for people who are never going to like it anyway? That's like trying to write a TV show for people who are like, yeah, I don't want to watch that. Why would you try to make a product work for people who don't like it? Why not make it better for the people who are already into it because those people will get more people into it. That's my opinion on it. And look, I'm not a capitalist, so it makes a lot of sense. And this is why I don't have a billion dollars. <laughs> uh, so speaking of the Dodgers, the Dodgers beat the Baltimore Orioles 7-3 to on Tuesday night at Camden Yards, clinching their seventh consecutive National League West pennant and becoming the first team this season to clinch a postseason berth. Now, this also... Being a team that I like and that I cheer for and that I follow, 
does not make them exempt from the boringness rule. The same team clinching seven years in a row in the National League West is boring. They've also clinched by a lot of games most of the time. Uh, In the divisional era since 1969, only the Atlanta team and the New York Yankees have strung together more consecutive crowns. The Braves won 14 straight NL East titles. Talk about boring there. From 1991 to 2005. And there was no postseason in the strike-shortened 1994 campaign. Trust me, I remember it like it was yesterday. Have I mentioned to all of you that the strike started on my birthday? Is perfect. The Yankees were American League East champs nine years running from 1998 through 2006. Could the Dodgers beat that 14 straight uh, titles? I don't think so. Uh, however, why not? And what are the advantages and disadvantages of clinching a postseason berth this early? Advantages. You can try out new people. You can call people up. You can try out some new pitching uh, like they did last night with Rich Hill, who was injured again. I am really sad that it looks like Rich Hill may be on the way out. I, I He is my favorite pitcher in baseball, and like he just might not have the physical... Uh, he just might... I, it's not that he doesn't have the pitching anymore. I mean, his curveball was looking honestly fantastic. He's got a tremendous curveball that honestly is up there with Kershaw's and I can't imagine what it looks like coming in. I just, I love that dude's curveball is amazing, but he just doesn't have the, uh, he's getting up there and the injuries keep mounting. And now he's got this knee problem, which he had after the second or third batter he faced. It's just unfortunate. So then they brought in John Goslin, who, who is a great pitcher, but gave up a homer. Um, so, you know, you, they got to try out some new shit. Uh, but it also is a disadvantage because there's no impetus to win necessarily. And I want to see them keep stringing together wins and I want to keep them keeping their momentum going. And I honestly am just worried now when I see this team and people talk about Dodgers, 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 losing to the Astros, losing to Boston and how they really want to win this world series. I'm just waiting for Dave Roberts to manage them out of another World Series. That's what's on my radar. And for me, the Dodger goals for the remainder of the regular season would be to get their main dudes healthy, like Max Muncy, get Alex Verdugo back in the mix, and uh, keep... not focus on matchups so much, and really uh, not get into the data of the whole thing and really get like their mojo going. They don't seem to have the same mojo that they had a little bit ago. Maybe that's just because they're in Baltimore and that was like, this is no shade against Baltimore. I was watching that game going like, this is a, this is, this is a travesty. Like, I don't care if you're in the middle of a rebuild, you should be put, people are paying, people are showing up in their Baltimore gear and they're coming to games. It's few people. And that's your fault. It's not their fault. They're showing up, and you are just giving them the finger. And I just think that shit last night, that game, it's 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 sad. I mean, I, I Major League Baseball should be embarrassed of itself that they have done this. 
That's the way that I feel about it. Um, and an ESPN headline today, which was probably be yesterday, uh, argued that we should judge the Dodgers on seven straight division titles, not the World Series crown they're still chasing. Uh, I mean, sure. I guess you could say that for just about everybody. I mean, the the World Series is a different monster. That's uh, It's seven games. And I, I think that there is something to be said about judging a team off of, you know, 162 games times seven versus two times uh, seven and five, you know, you know, or like seven plus so off of 12 games, you know, um, <clears throat> and then each, you know, NLCS basically that they lost in the other ones um, and NLDS. I didn't go through and mine the data of, of all of those, but uh, I, I mean, I do tend to agree. Judge the Dodgers on the seven straight division titles. That is a, 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 a much, I, I, I think a, a more difficult task than winning the World Series. However, the only thing that as a baseball fan you truly care about, and I can say this as somebody who has watched the team that they love lose the World Series five times in their lifetime, that winning the World Series is truly the only thing you really want to see happen. And I think any Cubs fan listening to this, first of all, thanks for sticking around because I've been so negative about your team for so long and I apologize. Uh that any Cubs fan can completely agree with. That's kind of all you want. That's the one thing, you know? I mean, I go to Cleveland and I see all those American League pennants and who gives a shit? You know what I mean? It was a wild ride and it was a lot of fun, but it's it's a loser's pennant. You're stoked to win it when you win it and then you fall back on it and you're like, one of these again? So, winning isn't everything, but when we're talking about the World Series, it is kind of everything. Losing the World Series sucks, and I've watched my team do it a lot. Um, and speaking of that, my team, Death, is in the playoffs. We did end the season in first place, and we are heading into the playoffs, playing the fourth-place team, which is technically my former team, the Yips, which I also somehow gave the name to. Um, so we will be playing them in the first round of the playoffs and uh, looking forward to the playoffs this season and looking forward to being a little more chill about it. Um, it should be a lot of fun. I th- don't think I'm going to miss the games. And uh, looking forward to just kind of coaching and trying to get a hit. <laughs> uh, so we'll be right back after this with some rosin bags. Thanks to you for sending these in. All right, we're back. We got some rosin bags. I'm really glad everybody sent me some good ones. Uh, let's start with uh, Snail Man Dev. I'm moving to a new city soon where I don't know anybody. Any advice for finding a low pressure, low skill league slash group of baseball friends to play with? Well, I mean, my advice is okay. I've got a couple a couple things. I'm sure there's there's an internet way of finding. You could probably find a softball league. Now you're probably like, what? Um, I don't hate softball. I don't like the way that softball is used to divide the genders, um, in the bat and ball sports. That aside, what you could do is find a low key softball league, which whatever city you're in, there's definitely like a parks and recreation website 
and they'll probably have information for that. So find that. And if you don't want to immediately sign up, go to one of the games, because I'm sure there's a schedule or something posted on the internet. Go to one of the games, check it out. If you like it, talk to the people. See what's up with it. Join the softball league if you feel like it. If you don't feel like it, meet some of those people. See if any of them want to start playing baseball. And then start your own thing. Or figure out where the most active parks are, like the ones that are taken care of, where like little leagues and stuff play. And scope them out for a little while and see if people are there playing baseball. And if there's a group of people who are not children playing baseball, odds are, and this has been my experience in California baseball life, if you roll up and you truly just want to play baseball, honestly, if somebody is taking batting practice at a field and you've got your glove in your car and I recommend having cleats because you don't want to get hurt. Um, roll up and be like, Hey, I'm so-and-so I'm snail man. Def. What's your name? I, would you mind if I went out and like shagged some balls in the outfield or in the infield, whatever. And, uh, odds are they probably won't care. In fact, they'd probably be into it because then they don't have to go collect all the baseballs while they're doing batting practice. So that's a good way to meet some people and to like, just start meeting baseball people. Those are my recommendations for real world. And it's, it's, you got to take some big leaps, but if you're moving to a new city and you don't know anybody, you're going to have to take some big leaps anyways. And, you know, I have found that when you meet people in a place that you want to be, that's where you end up. So just go keep doing those things and put yourself out there. Have a big smile on your face. Think about how great it is to be playing baseball and just like introduce yourself. That's what I would recommend. Uh, and then we've got one from Hieronymus. The last time I played any sport at any regular interval was in school now over 20 years ago. Last week I went to the batting cages to try and start to get and start getting a bit more exercise and maybe to tune up and join a league. Any tips on swing mechanics? I, I am not the best person to, to go to for swing mechanics, but I will say that if you go on Instagram, you can get a lot of m- swing mechanics tips there. I'm sure there's also like a baseball sort of coaching center somewhere in your town. I will say that something that I did that has helped me out a lot. If you, if you really want to like tune up and get better at hitting, go to Dick's or big five or something like that and get yourself a batting tee. It'll probably be less than $50. Take that and some baseballs and go to a, a baseball field or even just a park that has a chain link fence and hit, balls off of the tee like a lot make sure you wear batting gloves because you will get blisters if you don't and then after you like watch some hitting mechanics on instagram or on youtube some just like main pointers of like this is what your body should be doing and then do some tee work and then if you have a buddy see if they'll come with you and do a little soft toss, which is they sort of kneel to the side of you and just like toss the ball just right into the swing zone and uh, do that. And if you don't have a buddy, then it's a good way to teach yourself how to toss the ball up and hit it. And those are the best way to sw- to to like get into your swing mechanics because it's slower, it's tighter, and it's more precise. And you're not... Batting cages are like... Pros don't even really use batting cages. They use batting practice. They have somebody throwing it to them. Uh, 
they don't use batting cages like at all. Batting cages are like a recreational thing. And odds are it's not very realistic to like in-game hitting. And I'm not saying don't go to batting cages. I just mean it can't be the only thing. You know, I've had friends on the league that's like, ah, I just don't understand. I'm not hitting. I keep going to the cages. And I'm like, I think that might be the problem at this point. Because you're not, it's not, they're, they're usually not throwing actual baseballs. So you're not even looking at what you would really be hitting. You're only hitting this one, you're only swinging at balls that are coming in this one way. So you're not making any adjustments. You know, when you're on a tee, you can make it higher and lower. You can sort of like open up your stance. You can, you know, you can swing the bat and stop it right. You can really get your like eye coordination in tuned into like, okay, here's the bat. Here's the ball. Here's the bat. Here's the ball. And you can really like feel what you're doing as opposed to like, Oh shit, here's the ball. Here's the ball. Here's the ball trying to hit it. Um, so hopefully that helps a little bit. I've just found that like mixing it up and doing more than like, there's a dude on my team who like, he puts in so much work. He goes to batting cages. He was, you know, going to all the practices. Like I haven't been able to practice as much as I've wanted to. And I haven't been playing as good as I've wanted to, but I, you know, I'm showing up and I'm tossing my body around, making mistakes and trying to make up for them. And I, I, the thing is you, when someone else is hitting, you can see what they're doing wrong. And I also, it's nice to have a buddy because you can be like, what am I doing wrong? You can't see yourself, you know? And so I'll ask people like, what's going, like, what am I doing? And they'll be like, oh, you're dropping your shoulder. Your arm's not, your elbow's not it, you know? And like, I just, I don't, I take that and it's not criticism. It's a, it's telling me what's going on. So I could see this teammate of mine every time he was under the ball, he was like missing it by just like a little bit. And so the next game I was like, Hey man, do you want to hit off this tee? And I had to like kind of push him into it a little bit. Cause he, you know, he's like, well, I go to the cages. I'm like, sure, that's cool. But like, I've just found that right before a game, if I hit off of a tee a little bit, it sort of tunes my eye in. And then I'm like at least getting a couple reps right before I go up. And my, my at bat isn't the first time I'm trying to hit a ball. Even just that is important, you know? Um, and I finally got him to do it and he, he hit off the tee a couple times and then I threw some soft toss for him and then guess what? His first at bat, he got a goddamn triple and I was so excited <laughs> and I was like telling my friends, I was like, Oh shit, I can't believe it. We worked on that tee and then he got a triple and their response was he, well, he works really hard all the time. I was like, I know I'm not trying to take credit. I just was like, this was an amazing fun thing. And so it's little stuff like that where you like it's, you know, it's the details. Often, I I never understood why people would be like, oh, the details, the details. It's like, I don't know what you mean by that, but it's really just like the small stuff. You pay attention to the small things and it adds up to the big things. And so to me, a batting cage is the big things. And so if you only do the big things, then you're only doing the big things and you don't, and, and when you can't get the big things done, you're like, I don't know what little things to do. So when you do the little things, like get a, get a tea, learn how to soft toss to yourself or get somebody to do it for you. That is how you figure out the little things. So that's my recommendation for, uh, for hitting. And our final 
Rosenberg question is rad hooded sweatshirt. Hey, Rhea Butcher, I'm wondering what you think of the Maddox compared to no hitters. There have been a lot more, 315 approximately since 1988, but the efficiency is impressive. Now, for those of you that don't know, is uh, Maddox describes a start in which a pitcher tosses a complete game shutout on fewer than 100 pitches. Named after Hall of Famer Greg Maddox, the term was coined by baseball writer Jason Lukart. Since 1988, the first year accurate pitch count data is available. Maddox ranks first in the majors with 13 such starts during the regular season. Nobody else has thrown more than seven. I mean, I personally love them, and I will beat this drum for the rest of my life. That Rich Hill perfect game that he did throw, but that his teammates didn't score a goddamn run so he couldn't get a complete game thing was also a Maddox on top of it. So it's a stat it's a stat thing that I do like a lot. I think that efficiency simply efficiency whether it's a no-hitter or not is a pretty profound thing and um it's something that like I don't know that there's any other, like a Maddox, that sort of pitching efficiency, there, there's nothing comparable to it. I mean, maybe something in golf where you're like under par by X amount through the whole course, maybe. I don't know. But like there's not, and maybe like service points or something in tennis, but there's just no, there's really no other sport or position or job in sports where you can say, like, yeah, they did this whole thing under this amount. And, like, the amount of flow and the amount of, like, locked-inness that that requires for somebody to throw a Maddox is, like, I mean, it's just profound, I think. Um, and Greg Maddox, man, those were the days. Remember when that guy was pitching? Crazy shit. <sighs> so, anyway, that Rich Hill... He, and. On top of the fact that it was un- fewer than 100 pitches, he was also only using two pitches. He, he was using his curveball and his fastball, and that was it. Talk about efficiency. Two pitches. I'll be mad about that thing probably for the rest of my baseball life. Um, so try not to be mad about anything for the rest of your baseball life. It is difficult, and I know I just said I was going to do it. So don't, don't, don't do as I do, you know? I'm never, I'm never telling people to do as I do. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, it's great to talk baseball. It's great to talk life. It's great to talk the internet with you. I hope nobody's upset by anything I said. That's not the intention. In fact, it's quite the opposite. So I hope that everybody's having a good time. Give yourself a break when you need it. Make sure you drink some water. When you're feeling upset and overwhelmed, check in with yourself. Ask yourself if you've eaten any food. And ask yourself if you've drank any water recently. And uh, drink some water and then spend a moment in gratitude that you have water to drink. You know? And that'll do a lot for your day. Uh, Let's see. Um, I already did all my show dates, so I'm not going to do that. But um, yeah, you should rate, review the show if you want to. Um, You know, check out all the Forever Dog stuff. And also just like shout out to Trex in the City for running an ad for me. Really appreciated that. And shout out to Bowen Yang of Las Culturistas on becoming uh, one of the newest SNL cast members, first Asian-American cast member ever. And uh, it's pretty fantastic. And to be totally honest, long overdue. So congrats to Bowen. Very happy for him. Super talented person. Um, And also Chloe Feynman didn't know about her work. And then I was checking it out on Instagram just some solid shit. It's great when people do 
good shit, I guess, you know? So shout out to those folks. It's good to see uh, good things happening. And uh, keep putting good things out there in the world. Come see me do stand-up. I don't know. Take care of each other. And as always, if you liked it, you liked it. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.